0: And thank you so much, Jeff and Christy. Jeff's giving Christy a big smooch right now, so he's embarrassed to so look over there. Anyways, uh, just incredible. Uh, you guys are <clears throat> awesome and an inspiration to all of us and dearly, dearly loved and such an important pillar part of our family. I can't even imagine what it would be like without you guys, so... Thank you so much for sharing and, Christy, overcoming your fears. I was reminded of the Apostle Paul when he said, I came to you in fear and trembling. And what that does is it takes the onus off of us and onto God and onto Jesus and onto the Spirit. And God has worked through you today. And now you can just relax. Amen? (laughs) Um, I know you're a Packer fan, though, so the relaxation may only last for a little while and you have to suffer defeat later on. So, anyways, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to the book of Ezra. Uh, If you're visiting with us, welcome. Um, It's so good just to be together, to get into the scriptures, to think about God, to think about Jesus, to think about our lives, and to just draw some boundaries around. This is a time to worship, to uh, ponder, to be inspired, to be encouraged about who God is and how He's working. That's why we do our journey shares is because we really believe that God is at work in all of our lives. Uh, whether we've never heard of God, we don't believe in God, or we've been around God in the Bible for many, many years, God is at work and uh, the Spirit is at work and the Word of God is living and active and can work in our minds and in our hearts and our souls. You know, one of the things, uh, so we're talking, we're going through the Old Testament and we're talking about knowing God. And what a great illustration of what it's like to know of God or know godly things or know godly people, but not really know God ourselves, not really be one with God to connect deeply. And when that happens, we go through the motions, we may conform to some good morals, but the life force of God within us is empty and it's dead and it's flat and it's not uh, very long until we start to just conform uh, to the world because we don't have the transforming power of God within us. And so knowing God, we're walking through the Old Testament, and what we're talking about now, we're into where the Israelites have been um, disciplined by God and exiled for 70 years, but now God is restoring them. God is restoring their faith. They've, In essence, they've fallen down. They've been disciplined Uh, They've sinned and they've reaped consequences of their sin, but God doesn't abandon us in those moments. We all fall down. We all stumble. We all go through hard times, suffering times. And how does God treat us in those times? We get to know a great deal about who God is by how he responds to us when we stumble. And so this is called Knowing God's Restoration a couple weeks ago. Today's sermon title is Knowing God's Encouragement. Knowing God's Encouragement. You know, I showed a picture of an old car being restored. Uh, isn't that cool? I love looking at that picture uh, because for that old car, that's, the picture on the right there is not the designer's intention, was it? It's tired, it's wore down, it doesn't function anymore, it is being taken apart to get it down to what it needs to get down to so it can be rebuilt. And that's what God is. He's a great redeemer, rebuilder, restorer of our souls, of our minds, of our lives, of our actions, amen? And so there's a process in that, it doesn't just happen, there's a process in that, and encouragement is a big part of that process. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Hebrews chapter 3. Encouragement is a big part of our lives. And we talk about encouraging one another a lot, and that's important. But do we know God is an encourager? God is a lover of our soul. He encourages us uh, often in many, many ways. And do we know that and receive it and then pass that on to others. Two weeks ago we talked about how God works behind the scenes and then how God communicates hope to our hearts. Today as we continue to walk through Ezra and we're going to dig into the book of Haggai as well, we're going to see that there's a pattern to God's uh, restoration and encouragement. Okay, There's a pattern and then we're going to talk about knowing God's encouragement. We're going to look at encouraging partnerships and encouraging communication But I want to look in Ezra chapter 3. So the the Israelites, uh, King Cyrus has taken over Babylon and basically sends all the people back to their own countries and allows them to go back and to worship their own gods. And so the Israelites start to go back and we have leadership of Zerubbabel, uh, Ezra, and Nehemiah. This is found in the book of Ezra. And so the first thing they do when they go back to Israel is they don't build the wall. They don't build the government. What do they build first? They build the temple. And the first thing in the temple is the altar. And there's great insight there into when God starts to rebuild us, the first thing he's going to rebuild is our relationship with him, our worship of him. Amen? And so they start to rebuild the temple. But what comes with an effort to grow spiritually or to be more humble or closer to God, always what comes with that is opposition. Okay, so they start to rebuild the temple in Ezra chapter 3, and then of course uh, there are adversaries. And these adversaries, this opposition, accuses the people of literally being evil. He accuses them of being evil. I remember there was a, a... Uh, a time when uh, our campus ministry, some of the gals would get together on campus and they would get together and they'd open their Bibles and they would encourage one another and they would talk together to build each other's faith. And then this guy who didn't know what was going on but had some off-base ideas came along and said, started yelling at them. Literally, in the middle of campus, yelling at them, said, you're an abomination, You know, it's like, wow, sweet sisters, you know, young girls who are just opening the Bible. You're an abomination. And I heard of that, and I, you know, it's kind of Papa Bear, right? I heard that, I'm just like, hmm, okay, well, who was that? You know, I want names and numbers. I'm going to, you know, I remember when, uh, um, anyways, that's another story, another time, but someone was making fun, I'll tell it, someone was making fun of my son's last name, at school, I think they're in like first grade, and I said, "I think I'll join you for lunch." And so I went down there and I sat down. I said, "Who is it?" And He's like him, and I'm like, <laughs> "I just gave him the eyes." No, I don't. I didn't. It was okay. There was no, I, it, you know, there's no abuse or anything like that. But I don't think he was messed with anymore. Anyway, so I, uh, who is it? And uh, uh, I found out, and I knew. That this guy's minister, actually, I didn't know the, the individual, but I knew they're his minister, and so I called him up, and I said, hey, I just want you to know that this is what this group was doing, and this is what someone from your church was saying to them. He says, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Don't take it personally. He's called me an abomination as well, <laughs> and it, but that's such a great example of opposition, his point is to intimidate, to discourage, because I don't know, if I was in that group, I was like, am I an abomination? I don't know. Right? We start to get afraid. We start to get intimidated. We start to get fearful, and we find out that Satan actually is just kind of a big bully. Because once you stand up to the bully, they flee. That's what it says. When we resist Satan, he flees from us. Why? Because he knows there's someone in us that's bigger than him. Amen and Amen. Okay, And so anyways, there's opposition, there's accusation, there's fear, and there's frustration. So the building of the temple stops. Because after there's this accusation, there's discouragement. And when you're discouraged for 16 years, Zerubbabel was discouraged for 16 years, it can harden into hopelessness. Hopelessness, and that's where they found them. But then God inserts exactly what's needed at exactly the right time. Amen? And so this is where encouragement comes. This is where God's encouragement. Zerubbabel was just someone, a leader, who needed a lot of encouragement. I'm loving studying this out because I'm learning about Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah as different leaders. And uh, we're going to be doing some leadership. Anyways, it's so good. He needed a lot of encouragement. I can relate to that. Just feeling down on yourself quickly, uh, feeling like you're, you're not what you should be and you just need encouragement. So God inserted the prophet's encouragement and Haggai and Zechariah and a priest named Joshua came along and they worked together as a team and there was great encouragement. I want to read chapter 5 in verse 1. The temple work resumed. When the prophets, Haggai the prophet, And Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, arose and began to rebuild the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them, or encouraging them. Okay? And so... They got, God inserted encouragement. We're going to look at what that message looked like in a minute, and that's going to be our message for today. But the encouragement, um, and they responded to the message with repentance and humility and obedience, and then the opposition was overcame, and they went back to work on the temple, and the temple was finished. Amen? What a great story, okay? Um, let's read here And actually, Let's go over to the book of Haggai, and we're going to talk about knowing God's encouragement. Knowing God's encouragement. The first thing we see here, we're really going to connect with God, not just as distant God, or God, not just as wrathful God, or God who's trying to just catch us doing something wrong, God, but God the encourager, okay? First of all, we have to have encouraging partnerships, encouraging partnerships so often we try to communicate and connect with God in simply an individual and personal way and that's super important that it does need to be personal and individual and one of the great things we see in church history that church had become so institutionalized it took the individual connection and intimacy out of it and so we go to church but we don't connect with God does that make sense so while that is important, we also understand that having relationships that can encourage us are equally, is equally important. Zerubbabel was connected to Joshua, or Jeshua, who was a priest, okay? Haggai and Zechariah were the prophets that came along to support them, okay? So what we have here is we have a team. We have a spiritual team, a unit, okay? Does that make sense? And why we have to think, why did God do that? Well, in John 13, 34, it says, Jesus says, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Okay? So what Jesus did, he just didn't come to the earth and form this individual. He didn't just preach individual relationship with God that's isolated from community. No, he came walking with God informing community. See, real faith, real love for God draws community together. All right? And uh, he says, you guys, now I'm about to leave, you guys gotta love each other like I've loved you. You gotta stay in community. You gotta encourage one another. Why? Why? Why is that important? We have to ask these questions. Why? Why did Jesus say that? Why did God do this? Why didn't just God encourage Zerubbabel... Just just vertical. Why? Okay. Well, there's insight in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. This is the famous scripture where it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Who has tried to do a very difficult thing all on their own? Okay. We've tried that on our own, right? It's Even we had this... Beautiful example of Christy. She didn't come up here facing her fears all on her own, right? What did she do? She brought her best friend, Jeff. Isn't that sweet? And Jeff was just, oh, it's just so sweet, scratching her back. It's just, oh, warmth, right? Uh, but there's, there's strength. The number two itself in the Bible is symbolic often of strength. Did you know that? The number two means strength, okay? And so two are better than ones. They have a good return for their work. I remember uh, very clearly one time I was shoveling rocks, putting um, river rock in my front little landscape area. Has anyone ever tried to move large amounts of river rock? Okay, a few of you? Not many. So if you don't ever have to do it, don't ever do it, Okay? Just go, like, get wood chips or something. But anyway, so we decided on river rock. And so there's a big old pile in my driveway. That's what they come. They come with the loader, and they just dump it. And I'm like, no, I don't want it in my driveway. I want it over here. They're like, sorry, dude. That's your job, okay? And so here I am, shovel, because I'm strong, and I'm, you know, young and tough, right? So I can do this shovel, After about, I don't know how long, a half hour, an hour, 10 minutes, I don't know, I'm like, this is horrible, this is ridiculous, I hate river rock, I hate my house, I hate landscaping, I hate my life! I was a little discouraged, and I turned hopeless really quick, and I see this huge, and I'm not even a third done. And then guess what happened? My lovely wife, who also is very strong, she comes out and she says, oh, honey, I would love to help you. And I said, thank you. And she grabbed a shovel. And she said, how can I help you? Do you want some lemonade? No. Do you want some words of encouragement? No. (laughs) What do you want? Shovel grab the shovel, and now we're doing it together. And all of a sudden, it's not more just going twice as fast. I feel happy. I feel encouraged. I feel like partnership. We're doing this together. And I start to love river walk, rock, and I love landscaping, and I love my wife, and I love my house, and I'm just, it's night and day different. Amen? Ever had that experience? That's going from discouragement, opposition to encouragement and courage and victory, amen? And those rocks are still there today. I'm never moving them, okay? Um, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. It's not just twice as much. It multiplies because our energy and our strength and our passion and our hope is multiplied. But then it says, woe to the one, woe to him and when the bible says woe to him it's not like "Mm, bad news it's like it's horrific woe to him who falls down and there's not another to lift him up and i don't know about you but i tried solo spirituality for many years woe to me woe to me because i was getting darker and darker right i was getting deeper in sin deeper in addiction deeper in discouragement deeper and just all kinds of gunk. That's what happens in our souls. Woe to him, because I was stumbling and there wasn't there people to help me up. So this is why we have encouraging partnerships. You know, I asked these people if I could use them as good examples, and they said, what exactly are you going to share, bro? (laughs) Uh, But then eventually I talked them into it. So, uh, um, So each Friday morning, You know, me and some of my encouraging partners, we get together and we go to Randy's for breakfast at six thirty a.m. Okay, Um, and we get together and we do this. We do this right here. We're this. We're we're a team of encouragement. But what's happened recently is there's another Brad and Corey and Mark Holti get together and they sit in the table like next to us. Okay. And they're doing the same thing, and I don't even know what they're talking about. But I just seeing them over there, it encourages me. They're in, they're sharing, there's Bible, I don't know exactly, I'm assuming it's something. I don't know, maybe they're just talking about, you know, Brad's lack of hunting skill. I don't, I don't know, Brad needed encouragement, let's talk about that. Uh, but I think it has something to do with spirituality, Okay. But they need each other, and it's connection, and it's consistent. Amen? Uh, the other day, I met with uh, uh, Linda uh, and Doreen, okay? And we, and we studied the Bible. We opened the Bible together. And uh, I shared about how the Ethiopian eunuch invited Philip up into his chariot. Didn't know him from Adam, but wanted to learn the word of God and and invited him up, and they were sharing, and there was encouragement. I said, this is what I need. And Doreen said, this is what I need. And uh, I was helping Doreen, this was kind of funny, I was helping Doreen get a Bible app on her iPhone, right? And and I don't work with iPhones very much, but I knew enough to be dangerous, okay? So I was getting the Bible app, and I was getting the password down, and because she could listen to it, Um, Instead of just reading, you can listen to the word, which is really cool, okay? And so getting this down, and Doreen goes, oh, Joel, you're so smart. And I said, thank you. (laughs) And then she said, I thought it was only young people who knew how to do this stuff. Not encouraging. And then she had this little laugh that was just, <laughs> you know, it's just like, she knew exactly what she was saying. Doreen, killing me. But then I asked Linda, I said, Linda, what do you think of this? She's like, she, Linda's so sweet. She brought lunch. She just put her hand on Doreen and says, says you, I need this too. I need you. And you need me. And it was a beautiful Encouragement. Does that make sense? This is what we're made for. We're made for this kind of partnership. Do you have encouraging partners in your life? The second thing we need is encouraging communication, and this will go pretty quick. Maybe I think. Hey, guy. Chapter one. Encouraging communications. Just being together is a good first step, but we've got to learn how to communicate. And what we see in Haggai chapter one we see what was communicated that encouraged Zerubbabel. Pretty cool, huh? Not just that there was encouragement, but what was communicated. And I think as we read this, you might be a bit surprised. Because a lot of times I think when we think encouragement, we think, oh, you're awesome. Oh, you're awesome. Oh, you're just so sweet. And and that's good. We all need a good attaboy, right, every once in a while. Uh, A little ruffle on the head. Good job. Right? We need that. Okay, Um, But we also need sometimes to be confronted. It's like, well, that's not very encouraging. Well, the Proverbs would disagree with you. Because the Proverbs say, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Huh. So let's listen to the encouragement from Haggai, to Zerubbabel and to the Israelites. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the second year of Darius, the king on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. So they're rebuilding the temple, but the work has stopped. And they're saying, "Well, why is the work stop? It's just not, I'm just too busy." You ever tried that one? I'm just too busy. I don't have the time. Let's listen to how God responds. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, "Is it time for your, you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate?" Wait a second. He's like, "Wait a second. It seems to me." That you have time to build your house, but you're not building my house. So maybe it's not a question of if you have time, maybe it's a question of what you're prioritizing to spend your time on. Boy, that sounds like uh, not very encouraging, but actually it could be the most encouraging thing. It says, uh, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your Ways, consider your ways, think about what you're doing. So too often we just go through running through life and business. We don't stop and think. We just don't think very much. And it's not that we're not intelligent. We just don't take the time to think. And he's saying, stop, consider your ways. You have sown much, but the harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, it doesn't happen... That challenge is not in Wisconsin. Anyways, you put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In other words, you're experiencing dissatisfaction. You're experiencing an emptiness inside. Think about why. Think about why. "'Go up on the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it, and be glorified,' says the Lord. "'You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away.' "'Why,' declares the Lord of hosts, "'because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. "'Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce.' I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, so what, he's, what God is doing through the prophet Haggai is he's confronting their hearts. He's confronting their misplaced priorities. Because of discouragement and fear, you withdrew into yourself and you just said i'm just going to live for myself. He's saying living for yourself is not satisfying. How much more how much money do we need to be to have enough money? Just a little more, right? How much more comfort, how much more entertainment, how many more super bowls do you need to finally be satisfied? Just one more. Or maybe just one. And God saying, hey, think about what you're doing. This isn't going well. And I'll tell you why. Because your priorities are messed up. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Joshua, the son high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai as the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Turning point in the whole history of Israel right there. At least in this point, The turning point at the beginning was when the people responded humbly to the Word of God. That's our job today, amen? That's our job today, is to respond humbly to what we hear from the words of God. And then God, then Haggai said, listen to how God responds. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius, the king. Let's close up here. Okay? Encouraging communication. Consider your ways. He confronted them. Consider your ways. It's not a time issue. It's a priority issue. Okay, If you're dissatisfied and unhappy, maybe it's because you're living for yourself and selfish ambition never satisfies the depth of your soul because you're not made for yourself. You're made by God for God to be used by God. That's when you're going to find fullness is when you're actually emptying yourself out. You're going to find love when you actually give it out. You're going to find peace when you stop worrying about everything, and put it in God's hands. Seek first the kingdom. It's Matthew chapter 6, okay? Um, discouragement had led to their withdrawal, retreat, and to look for themselves. So they stopped working, but they were dissatisfied and unhappy. Matthew 6 promises us, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. So then he comes with comforting words, confrontation and comfort. When they respond, like, I'm with you. Sounds very much like Jesus who says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew chapter 28. Could you go ahead and go to the next slide? I am with you. So the encouragement sometimes is confrontive and sometimes it's comforting and often it's both. So the message now comes in with comfort. I'm with you. My spirit is with you, my promises are with you, my power is with you, my provision is with you, and my future glory is with you. I know the temple doesn't look like much right now, but it's going to look awesome. Just keep working. Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. Galatians chapter 6. The future is bright if you put God first. I'm with you. That's encouraging communication. Okay, practically, a few practicals, and then we'll have a wrap-up time. A few practicals for us, okay? Time to partner up. Partner up, priority, priority up, and power up. Priority up didn't quite fit, but I had to make it fit with the others, okay? <laughs> partner up. Do you have a spiritual partner? A, if you don't, then you need to talk to, say, come talk to me, come talk to someone who maybe looks like they have a, a partner. I don't know what that looks like, but t- say just go to someone and say, I need a spiritual partner. I've been trying to do this alone, and it's not working. Amen? Amen. Maybe that's what God brought you here today, because you need a partner. Partner up. As a church, we believe this is one of our core values. Everyone in our church has A small team of partners, two, three, four, whatever, somewhere in there, okay? If you're in a partnership, my question is, are you prioritizing it or are you giving it about half of your heart because you're so busy with your own, building your own house? Maybe you need to hear, hey, it's time to priority up. Get the priorities where it needs to be. God comes first. Build my house first, God says, and then your your house will be fine. But build my house first. And power up. Encouraging one another brings us a power. A Holy Spirit led power. That gives us what we need for the task. I'm just going to read Ezra chapter 6 and then the message will be yours. Look at when they responded to God's message. Look at what God did behind the scenes. Again, where we started last week. So God worked through Darius. King of Persia, uh, to handle this opposition. Listen to this in verse 6. So he's writing a letter to those who were opposing him. This is King Darius. King King Darius isn't even a Christian. He's not even an Israelite, okay? But God is working through him. Listen to this message. Therefore, Tetanai, governor of province of river, blah, blah, blah. The names, okay, stay away from there. Leave this work on the house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders and the Jews rebuild this house on God on its site. House of God on its site. Moreover, I issue a decree concerning what you are to do for these elders of Judah in the rebuilding of this house. Not only do you not oppose them, you need to support them. The full cost to be paid these people from the royal treasury, but of the taxes of the provinces beyond the river and without delay. Whatever is needed. Young bulls, rams, lambs, burnt offering, God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, anointing oil, as the priests in Jerusalem requested, it is to be given to them daily without fail. Isn't that cool? That they may offer acceptable sacrifice to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. I issue this decree, etc. Verse twelve it says, "May the God who has caused His name to dwell there overthrow any king." or people who attempts to change it so as to destroy this house of God in Jerusalem, I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be carried out with all diligence. Amen? God's saying, I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging giving you whatever you need. You have whatever you need today to grow spiritually. You have whatever you need to grasp that for which Jesus has taken hold of you. Find a partner, get your priorities on straight, and power up. Amen? Okay, at this time, uh, we're going to have Ellen come forth, and she's come forth, come together too, and uh, she will give us uh, a contribution, prayer, and uh, some announcements, and we'll sing one last song, we'll be done.